0: hey there and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the enlightened agent today's episode is with kyle samuel the chief operating officer at mcgriff insurance services today's episode is part of our diversity equity and inclusion series Uh, if you're interested in hearing about uh, kyle's journey to become uh, the coo of mcgriff and some of the things that they're putting in place to drive diversity equity and inclusion at mcgriff stick around and then uh, enjoy the show Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Enlightened Agent, the podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and I'm joined today by Kyle Samuel, the Chief Operating Officer at McGriff Insurance Services. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Jason. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Excited to uh, catch up. Uh, Excited to have you on the show and excited for our conversation. Today's episode- Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, today's episode, uh, as you know, is part of our diversity, equity, and inclusion series, where I've had a mix of uh, women leaders, black leaders, white leaders, each talk about their career journeys and what it's been like for them to navigate the complex dynamics of you know different social groups on their journey. And so, you know, in keeping with tradition, you know, I'd love it if you could share a little bit about how you ended up in this role at McGriff and uh as a you know black male leader what it's been like for you and your journey getting here
1: yeah yeah thanks for that uh, jason yeah look it's been it's been quite the journey uh, hard to believe that uh, i've been in the business for uh, for 30 years now but uh started my journey uh at Chubb insurance as an underwriter uh for five years and then spent uh, the bulk of my career uh at aon 17 years as both a producer and a um and a sales leader and so the player cultural i think served me incredibly well and then, at that point, decided to more move into uh, I decided that leadership was uh, uh, more interesting to me as opposed to uh, being just an individual contributor. And so I spent a lot of time uh, working on those skill sets, honing my skills there so I could be a more effective leader long term and give an opportunities both at Aon and then transition into regional leadership roles at Wells Fargo, and then became was fortunate enough to become president of M&T Banks Insurance uh, hmm. agency. And that prepared me for the opportunity to be here at McGriff. And I guess what I would say about how I really uh, ended up at McGriff is when you think about my career journey over the last 30 years, I've really been in every insurance model. You know, as I mentioned before, on the insurance carrier side, then with the, you know, a top, a top five broker, uh, so saw the global market, the global brokerage market. This is my, now my own, my third bank owned insurance model with Wells Fargo, then m and Bank, and then now here at McGriff, and so having each of one of those experiences prepared me well to sit now in the seat of McGriff and move us forward in our journey.
0: That's awesome. The journey from a individual contributor to a manager. Um, everybody seemed I don't know. I feel like there's people who always want to kind of get promoted or get into leadership roles, but it's a very different. It's certainly a very different skill set between kind of being a doer versus a a manager or a leader. Um, you start to you have to the, the responsibilities sort of expand from just a production or or you know producing results to managing people, right? And people, uh, as a lot of people realize are are complicated. So
1: <laughs> I don't
0: know. I'm curious about some of your some of the moments where you sort of went from being more of a doer into more of a leader and how you think about the people on your team and working with them. I and mean, now you have obviously quite a big organization to think about, but w- wondering, you know, do, do you have any Either philosophies or approaches to the way you the way you work with people and and inspire them and motivate them and challenge them
1: yeah look i, I um I would say a couple of things about that I, I think you know first and foremost, you know I think the term gets thrown around quite a bit around being a servant leader, but I think to truly be an effective leader you you do have to make an investment. And serving the people that you work with, because uh, in the absence of that, I think people see a lack of authenticity, authenticity, and I think that they they see a level of self distinction that's not about um, you know them and it's about you. And I think that, right. that long term doesn't ser- doesn't serve you well as a leader. The other thing I would say is I think you know one of the overriding themes or or just things that I think about. There's been an acronym that I've used in my leadership for God over the last 15 years, and and that is a, uh, a simple acronym that's called care, and that is. Huh communication, accountability, respect, and excellence. and I think that if you communicate effectively with the people that you that you lead serve with, and that if you hold each other accountable, and that accountability is not just one direction it is it goes both directions but if in all of that you know is is uh, where there's a high level of respect that that's uh, i guess exists between you and the team that you work with and then you always continue to strive for excellence so Communication, accountability, respect, and excellence—other things that I think have served me well for a long period of time.
0: Yeah, I, lo- I love that. As I think about the people that I manage, and and I think about that model, um, I don't know that I use that specific one, but it it, it certainly resonates, right? But the, the one, the, the point that you made, which is that I think is relevant, is that it goes both ways, right? They have to hold you accountable as as well, and that's that's not always easy, right, for people to look up at their managers and say, hey, you got to do more or I need, I need more from you or I need more support from you. But that's one that, you know, when that happens, I think that's uh, where you get real material outcomes and material results because, you know, as managers, we don't always know what our people need. Sometimes we're guessing and and hearing from when what's important is helpful yeah. for us, right?
1: Yeah, and I think you have to create an environment where it is okay to uh, to have accountability go both ways, right? So you really have to... Be honest about the fact that you're willing to receive feedback from other team members, and then I think that that creates a, again, an open dialogue and a healthy dialogue around accountability. So, again, that that's really important, and, yep. and communication, of course, is the key to that.
0: Agreed. You know, give, given the 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 theme of the podcast focused around DE and I, I'm, I'm curious on your journey through the various companies. Were there any examples of uh, companies that did a particularly good job or poor job uh, around supporting uh, diversity and equity inclusion, even if it wasn't called that at the time, um, you know, what, what did you see on your career journey that kind of stuck out to you?
1: Yeah, no, that was a great question. I, I would say that, um, you know, historically speaking, I think insurance companies have done a much better job at diversity, equity, and inclusion than, than did insurance agents and brokers. Um, mm. You know, when, you, when I want to think back to my, um, early days of experience. I mean, you know, Chubb was incredibly well known for having uh, great training programs. There are so many uh, graduates of that program that have been wildly successful over time. And, and there were many other uh, carriers that uh, that have done the same thing. I think just by the nature of uh, on the agent side, between agents and brokers, you know, historically, it's been an incredibly fragmented, you know, business, right? Because there's literally 40,000 agents and brokers across the United States. And so some from ranging from the family-owned or the mom-and-pop operations up through, you know, large global brokers. And so right. uh, I think over time, uh, agents and brokers have gotten better at that, especially as we now exist in a world that is uh, so much more dynamic and focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion and with the demographics changing, I think that uh, agents and brokers have seen the need to, to, to really focus on, on DEI. But, but to your early question, though, I think insurance carriers have done a, a good job at this for, for a longer period of time.
0: Yeah, it's almost like the institutional businesses, IE, that the larger carriers and maybe the larger brokers, there's a lot more infrastructure in place to be able to support it, right? Whereas the like you said sort of the family-owned um broker businesses, maybe 5 to 10 person companies, it's it's less of a priority, especially if at least at the time you're not planning to be a you know 100, 200, 300 person company, you're just starting a company to make, you know, make some money for your family, right? It's a little bit of a a different focus, but you do need, if you are going to scale, right. And you are going to recruit talent and you are going to expand beyond, you know, your local community as a, as a broker. I think that's where, you know, it definitely does become important, right. Because, you know, being no, able to absolutely. being able to recruit talent is important. Being able to engage with customers, you know, that you, you can connect with and that, that understand you and vice versa goes a long way. But I, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about that difference between, Sort of either carriers or brokers or even small versus institutional, and so that's a that's an interesting insight uh, that I'll that I'll keep an eye out for as we go. Uh, I think the idea that as a company, if you're planning to scale, you should start thinking about this early, right? As opposed to waiting until hey, we're thirty people and we haven't really thought about Mm -hmm. it, and we're you know really homogeneous uh, employee group. That's all of a sudden becomes really hard to make adjustments to that. So um,
1: I would agree. I would agree.
0: Interesting. Well look, I know you've been, you know, you're relatively new at McGriff. I like think you said a little under a year. Uh, but I'm curious what, what's happening at McGriff? What what can you tell us about the initiatives in place in, around D E and I at McGriff? And um, you know, do you have any examples of, of any of the impact that you've been able to see so far?
1: Yeah, no, um, great question. Uh, no, a lot of exciting things are happening at McGriff, as as you know, but uh, many of us may not know. McGriff, you know, we're wholly owned by Truist Bank, and so we're part of a larger organization uh, with respect to um, to our HR team. But specifically at McGriff, in the last year, we've created a Diversity Champions Camp, uh, Council. We've built a very uh, deep and comprehensive strategy around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I would tell you that our our top three you know goals are. As most people, but attracting and retaining um, premier talent, and, and that is diverse talent across the, the organization and across the country. We want to increase sales and retention as a part of diversity because what you find in doing so is that you can appeal to a larger audience and more uh, the more diverse group of customers, as well as increasing collaboration not only inside of McGriff, but across our banking partnerships, and then and then of course that uh, then uh, moving to the industry. And then finally, we want to build what we call a distinguished culture of equity and inclusion that we want to be able to promote diversity and inclusion. We want to weave it into the foundation of who we are both internally as well as externally. And so it's a, it's a big goal that we have, but um, we're really committed to it. Our chief talent officer, uh, Ken Yotas, has done a lot of great work around this. Uh, our CEO, um, our CEO, the co-CEOs are very, very dedicated to it. And of course, uh, I'm kind of committed to it as well. So really exciting times at McGriff.
0: That's great, that's good. It sounds like it's a pretty mature, uh, strategy, which is, which is great. Right. I'm talk, talking to some agencies that are still working on their strategies and others that are further along. It sounds like you guys are, H- how does,
1: I, uh, I would tell you that it's a, it's a, not, it's not as mature at McGriff. It's a thoughtful eh. strategy. And it's uh, a, and, and so, you know, obviously lots of work to be done, but, uh, but we're definitely, um, you know, making a lot of good progress.
0: Well, it sounds like, yeah, I guess maybe what I meant was, it sounds like, uh, it's, it's been thought through, but the execution of it is, is, you know, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And I'm curious how you, so it's one thing to get together and come up with a good strategy. It's another to to execute that strategy um, when it's not somebody's, I mean, I guess you have a chief talent officer, it sounds like, but, but, but that person doesn't operate in the business every day, right? They're, they're maybe setting a strategy and trying to implement it. What, what are some of the things that you guys are doing to sort of execute on that strategy? Does there, are there sort of People throughout the org at every level, sort of working on this, or like, how, how do you get it to actually stick? I guess is what I'm wondering.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but um, I think the you know obviously the chief talent officer, it, she is one person, right? But um, our diversity uh, champions council is, is one of the ways in which we uh, make it stick, right? Because you do pull folks um, from different parts of the or-, or different parts of the organization, and they come together to make sure that we're championing. Um, diversity initiatives across the business, right? And so that we're developing talent at every level of the business and that we are being mindful of diversity in every way that the, the business develops and grows. And so as I talked about, it's not only just the recruiting uh, of talent, but it's also how do we retain that talent? And what are the things that we can do internally to make sure we're supporting the talent? And then you think about it from a sales perspective, right? And so that, you know, as we approach, you know, our customers in the marketplace, having diverse teams is going to better support those things. And so those become very realistic ways to support diversity because it actually appeals to, um, you know, helping grow the business. And then you just have to be sure too, that uh, each of us is, um, you know, anti-racist and, and very thoughtful in the way that, uh, that we go about diversity. And so when you see things that uh, don't promote a diverse environment, um, you have to speak up. And, and I talked earlier about communication and accountability, respect and excellence, and yeah. you know, all of those things mean um, making sure that uh, we hold each other accountable and that you know, whether it's in the interview process, whether it's in the performance um, uh, accountability process, all of those things have to be important in terms, in terms of how we approach diversity, equity and inclusion.
0: The care model, it's interesting because you started out with that as a just general sort of people strategy, right? But then you could see how the implementation of that comes into play in a you know I guess in a organizational model where everybody has to hold each other accountable to uh, these goals that you set, and it makes a lot of sense, right? and so that's it's it's cool that 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 model you have for people applies to you know any different initiative, not just sort of. Uh, you know, sales and and fulfillment. Right? If it, it it applies to people as well. Yeah. So I'm really curious about the Diversity Champions Council because in my head that sounds mm-hmm. a lot like a very kind of leadership heavy group. But I also know that in order to kind of fulfill the 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 strategy that you have, you need to get to every level of the organization. So I guess I guess what I'm asking is, uh, who who's a part of that council? And is there representation from different levels and different and different racial and ethnic groups?
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question, and and, and no, it's definitely not a leaders only group. It is uh, there is representation from every uh, level of the business, and, and you know it allows us to get diverse perspectives. Right, I guess pun intended there, but yep. uh, we, right. have the to, <laughs> we have the ability to we have the ability to make sure that uh, we're, we're seeing our business and our, and, our, and our client issues from every level of the business. And so, yeah, that council helps us to promote and it really brings the diversity, equity, inclusion strategy alive, right? Because it's not just you know, us you know, at the leadership level talking, but it's at every level of the business getting uh, the appropriate level of input to make sure that we are moving the ball forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, one of the things I've found is that just, frankly, making time for the conversation goes a long way, right? So if you're, you know, I don't know how often the council meets or how often they they get together, but you know, if you're if they're meeting frequently and you have influential people who are committing their own, you know, valuable time to the council, then inevitably their goals and initiatives are going to permeate through their teams, their clients, their uh, recruiting process. Um, you know, you think about you got to Forty or fifty-hour work week, depending on what your what your schedule. Sixty, sometimes longer, right? Every every hour makes a difference, and so how you choose to spend your time uh, is a signal around what's important, and it also sort of permeates into, I think, everything else you do. So that's that's exciting. It's good to hear that you've got that, and I think it's it it, it feels like a, a a great tool to get the strategy out into the into the business. So, uh, well,
1: yeah, and it, it also. Uh, is a great place where we have um, uh, you can surface questions, right? You know, it's a great platform upon which to allow different issues that may be coming up that maybe the leadership team is not thinking about where we can really address what's happening and keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on within the business.
0: Nice. Yep, totally agree with that, right? Because, you know, you not everybody's going to submit a question to your uh, directly to your CEO, right? Even though they probably have an open door, there's, it's, it's nice to have, to have channels to get in there. So, you know, having, I think you said you've been in the industry for 30 years now, any advice you have for uh, minority groups in the industry about how to approach their careers? You've obviously been successful with it. What advice would you give uh, other minorities in the industry?
1: Yeah, no, it's a a, a very good question. Um, You know, I think the major piece of advice that I tend to give quite often when I'm speaking to groups of folks, uh, especially, uh, you know, young people who are still developing their career, and that is, is that my journey has never been about you know chasing you know more compensation in my in my opinion you know compensation is a byproduct of of success and so if you when you're moving along in your journey are always thinking about how how can i acquire more skills that build upon a competency that prepare me for the next opportunity and so i guess i would just say be very intentional about the skill sets that you're building and then with respect to diversity i think it's just really important that you identify, you know, allies, mentors, advocates, sponsors. I mean, uh, along the way within your journey, I've been, you know, very fortunate to, to have very um, strong mentor, uh, mentors and advocates and, and then folks who, I think more importantly, have sponsored my career along the way. But that comes from, you know, being intentional about the work that you're putting in and developing your own career. And then that, that allows other people to invest in you.
0: I love the idea, you know, the the sort of humble approach of building skills and and creating value. There's also a time and a place for speaking up and promoting yourself, right? It's delicate, right? Because you don't want to be that person who's tooting your own horn too often. But you also, especially if you're in a group that maybe you know the equity is not that great or hasn't historically been that great. I don't know. I wonder if there's better ways to go out and say, you know, hey, am I making as much as? as frankly, you know, the other white people are the are white people of, of, of similar roles, right? Whether you're a woman, or white uh, or, or black male, and and you're sort of getting to a level and saying, is, is there equity here? I, I know that there's some salary yeah. transparency laws that are coming to light around the country, which will, I think, be interesting and good for, for equity in general. But I um I think people have well, to yeah. learn to, to, to promote themselves at some point. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, look, I I think that's absolutely right, you know, and I think that you know that's unique to every individual. I mean, you have to find your own comfort zone around you know um, how and when you promote yourself. But I I would say that that um, speaks to the importance of having you know allies, mentors, you know, advocates, mm. and sponsors because the very the thing I think you're alluding to is you know there are these unspoken rules in every business, right? And you don't know what you don't know, and right. when you have someone who is truly an ally or truly an advocate for you? They're gonna maybe um, let you in on the things that uh, that uh, have allowed other people be, people to be successful. Maybe right. help you understand that you're undercompensated or, uh, or underappreciated with respect to the work that you're doing. And so those relationships do help. You know, along with the individual investments that you're making into yourself, having other people um, promote you uh, when you're not in the room, who speaks for you when you're not in the room, is as important as the work that you do.
0: Yeah. Or at least at a at a minimum, they're encouraging you to ask the questions, and pro you know maybe maybe they don't know the answers, but they're they're reminding you that hey, you should be asking the hard questions, and frankly, holding your leaders accountable for making sure that you're getting the equity that you deserve, right? So
1: yeah, no, I think um, that's fair. I
0: think that's fair. Yep, I love the mentor approach. Hey, one of the, yep.
1: No, just one one other thing. I just wanted I wanted to mention. You know, um I'd be remiss if I if I didn't. And, you know, we had, we had talked earlier about the work being done at, at McGriff uh, and at Truist Insurance Holdings. You know, we, in addition to the Champions Diversity Council and uh, our, our internship program and some of our leadership excellence program, uh, one of the other things that we've done in partnership with the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers is there, you may be aware of the fact that the CIAB is partnered with the University of Mississippi and several other member firms, and of which McGriff is one, to pilot a new insurance certificate program, and it's designed um, to target historically Black colleges and universities. This is something that's going to launch in the fall of 2023, but it'll be focused on, you know, training and networking and ultimately job opportunities. So, you know, um, we're, McGriff insurance, insurance Holdings, is a, uh, proud to be a part of that, but uh, that's just a, a broader reflection of uh, our commitment to diversity.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, I did not know about that. I'm I'm usually pretty close to the CIEV, but I hadn't heard about that initiative. And I'm being from Louisiana, and you know, I'm just a, a stone's throw away from from Mississippi. I'm glad to hear that there's a movement going on down, down there. I mean, I, insurance certainly wasn't on my radar as a in the South. It's not a it's not an industry that's that's you know particularly large in Louisiana. Um, so it's interesting to hear that that in the South there's a there's a movement to uh, at a minimum bring. Kind of the knowledge of insurance there but also to a community that um you know probably doesn't get exposed to it and frankly could be tapped to to, to kind of step in and and make an impact so that's exciting i'll I'll keep an eye out for that and um make, make sure to spread spread the word to my to my people back down in the south
1: oh well, very good thank you
0: so kyle uh enlightenment you know the, the title of the show is the enlightened agent enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding and so uh, I wonder, in an effort to enlighten our audience, is you know, what are some things that you know or understand about the opportunities for minorities in the industry, whether it be through this new program or otherwise, that that you can share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, Jason, it's, it's a great question, and I guess to uh, to focus on your your word enlightenment there, and, um, and and thinking about knowledge, I mean, from my perspective, there are so many. Um, you know African Americans and other minorities that maybe just aren't aware of the uh, amazing amount of opportunities that exist within the insurance industry. I think more often than not, when people th- think about careers in in financial services, they think about you know some of the other careers in investment banking and other places that appear to be on the surface, maybe a more sexy opportunity. but but I would tell you as I've gone on my thirty year journey in insurance, uh, it is a very impactful industry. There are so many untapped opportunities available to To all people but especially people of color and and when we think about diversity equity and inclusion um talented individuals have a real opportunity to to make a mark within the insurance industry so i would just encourage folks to to dig deeper and to uh you know as i mentioned before you know find the you know mentors advocates and sponsors so that they can uh you know um really build what i think can be an incredibly successful career within the insurance industry
0: i I completely agree right so over the last I've been in the industry now for just over five years. And when you we talk to, I talk more to agents than I do to carriers, but one of the top two issues on everybody's radar is talent, right? And so what that tells me is that there's an opportunity for high quality talent to make an impact in this industry, right? If, if people are concerned about retaining good talent or losing good talent what that tells me is that there's just not enough good talent in the industry, and so, um, you know, people of 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 any background who are ambitious and you know are looking for opportunities, kind of like in sure Like I, I came into this industry sort of realizing that there was a a lack of tools and technologies for people in the space, and so that that created a ton of opportunity for me to to build what we've done at Broker Buddha. But the same thing applies to people, you know, looking for jobs. There's there's a lot of opportunity, and and it seems it almost seems like uh, the the it's like a well guarded secret how good of an uh, opportunity the insurance industry is for for smart people. So I, I would agree that especially now when DEI is such a focus for the industry, that you know people of any background should be looking at the industry for career
1: opportunities
0: because you know smart people can do really well here.
1: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more.
0: Awesome. Well, Kyle, hey, r- really appreciate you coming on the show and and giving us some of your your precious time this morning. You know, before we wrap up here, anything else you'd like to to share with the audience?
1: No, look, I just want to say thank you to uh, Jason. It's been a wonderful opportunity to uh, talk with you about you know insurance and, and specifically with respect to DEI. And i uh, and I um, no, I think I close there.
0: Awesome. Well, Kyle, uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Look forward to seeing you in 2023 and best of luck and having a great year.
1: Thank you very much.